Okay, we're good to go. We're on the, we're on the fly now. We can move. Yeah. So I thought about bringing firewood in a church today and starting a fire to illustrate the message, but the more I thought about it, I thought, yeah, that might be a catastrophe. And I know we're supposed to be on fire, right? But the church itself shouldn't catch fire. That's not a good thing. So um, I trust you've had a pretty good week. How many have had a pretty good week? Did I lose my spot, Austin? Am I messing with you? <laughs> I, got, I forget. See, see, this is why I, I, I'm kind of getting crazy, because um, getting more at home with being on air. Um, so we'll title this Fresh Fire, Fresh Fire. Um, it's kind of... It's, it's Paul's letter to Timothy, the second, second book he wrote to Timothy. Understand that Paul was not in a very happy place when he wrote this. He was actually chained and imprisoned. But he wasn't thinking about himself, was he? He wasn't thinking about, oh, woe is me. Oh, I'm so, you know, oh, woe is me. Sorry for him. You know, he wasn't pulling, pulling out a, a pouting spell or any of that. You don't see any of that. But he's, he's thinking about the future. He's thinking about the ministry that needs to happen in spite of his, in, his imprisonment. So he's thinking about his, what he's uh, known to... Uh, Timothy became like a son, a spiritual son, but I think he was like a son to, to Paul. Now, Paul is wasn't always a nice guy, remember, remember before, what he was like before he became a Christian, he was not a very, um, not a very healthy person. He thought he was doing God's service by killing Christians. He was mixed up, he, his, his mindset was off. He was so bound by legality and by rules and regulations that he forgot about relationship, he never really understand if I had a chance till Jesus met him and talked to him on the road to Damascus and sort of had to work things out in his life, work things out, open his eyes to the truth. And I don't know about you, if you have friends or relations that you're praying for, don't give up because God has his timing, God has his way, God hears your prayer. Don't you? you may not even be the one to see it happen, but let's believe God, it will happen in his timing. And don't quit. God's looking for people who will stand in the gap for people that are distant from him. Never give up. Never give up the fight. And so Paul writes, uh, why I didn't start in the first book of First Timothy, I guess I might have got mixed up. I just kind of dove into second, uh, the book of, of Timothy. But Maybe we'll go back to 1 Timothy. I'm a kind of a guy that likes to look at the end of the book first to see what happens before I begin. <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. Paul, an apostle of Christ, chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. Jesus, by the will of God. First of all, it was not Paul's will. It was God's will that he became an apostle. In other words, Paul didn't choose this, this calling. God did. And so guess what? When God chooses a calling on our life, that doesn't always mean that it's going to be easy, but it will be fulfilling. There's no, more, there's no better place to be than to be in the center of God's will for your life. 
if you're fighting against God's calling and God's will, you'll, you'll always be kind of on the edge. You'll always be kind of just, yeah, no, things are not complete. But God called uh, Paul uh, to bring the message, to, and we'll just go forth from here. Timothy, my beloved son, notice how he says, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience. Number, the first point is having a clear conscience. Paul, remember that he, he, he had done some things that were wrong prior to his salvation. In fact, he probably even did some things wrong after his salvation. How many know that we need the grace of God as much that saves us as much as we to keep us on the right track? We need the grace of God. Amen. Yes. Because Paul described that, that it was something like a battle between the flesh and the spirit in the book of Romans. So all of us have this this part of us that wants to still get up and be take control. The part of us that's in us that wants to spout things that we shouldn't say because we, we are still in process. We're in the process of sanctification. What's that mean? Well, it's a whole big word for you're, you're still in process, right? You're still, things are working. But God gave you and I a conscience that's built within us when we're born, there's a sense of right and wrong, a conscience. Because God speaks to us, and through our conscience, and our mindset, and our, and our thinking, that he says, I serve God with a clear conscience. So Paul was able to say, I've come to a place where I have a clear conscience. In fact, I, God has for, forgiven me and erased all my past. We ought to hear an amen about that. There's a lot of things that I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to have that stuff brought up on Judgment Day. Jesus takes it away, as far as the east is from the west, when you confess it. You have a clear conscience that night. You're going to sleep better, <laughs> right? Clear conscience, knowing that you've done the right thing. It's a valuable privilege to know that sometimes we, we sin unawaringly. The Bible says this. James says that sometimes we know what to do is good, but we don't do it. It's still sin. So we need a lot of grace, don't we? We need a lot of grace in this life, in this, this run that we're on. And so after Paul's conversion, it took the church a while to believe he was genuine. I don't know about you. I wouldn't want to have been the, one, the guy that was called on to go pray for this man who killed Christians. Right? I don't know about you. But there was a little, ooh, this man is not nice. God, are you sure? But there was a fire that had started. There was a new beginning that had started within the heart and the life of what used to be called Saul. Now he became Paul. I don't sure if I understand all why his name was changed, but God changes your future. God is able to make you new, and old things is past. Old things fall away. Old habits drop off. 
new things have come. New desires for the things of God that you did not have previous to salvation. What is salvation? It is an awakening, it is being born again, it is having a new spirit. The spirit of Christ comes to live within you. That is salvation. And so if Paul writes to Timothy, he remembers at verse 4, longing to see you. He's thinking back, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. Some would believe that maybe at a time they departed and they went their separate ways in ministries. Others maybe believe there was, that Timothy was sensitive to the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. They even shed tears in your prayers and your praise. Let your emotion. You know what the Bible says in Psalms? It says, he bottles your tears. Isn't that an interesting verse? It's all like he, he, he saves them. They're precious to the Lord. Your heart, your feelings, your concerns are precious to the Lord. He concerns what about how you are feeling. And so what Paul is reminding, he's, he's not thinking about himself, but he's thinking about Timothy. Timothy is my way to keep the ministry going. By, by writing and encouraging Timothy how to, how to run the church, how to encourage the saints of God, how to, he's because I'm thinking about Timothy, not only Timothy, but I'm thinking about his, 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 his grandmother Lois, verse 5. His grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And I'm sure that he's talking about a sincere faith. He's talking about a genuine faith. He's talking about a faith that was real, that was not phony, that it was not just an act. It was absolutely, they were who they were because of Christ who was in them. I don't know about you, but to have been, been able to grow up in the church I can remember people who had that kind of spirit, that kind of faith that you absolutely knew they were on fire for God. And so as long as we're talking about being on fire for God, how do we get on fire for God? Well, a lot of it has to do with our want to. First of all, I want to pursue the things of God. And a lot of it has to do with is separating ourselves from what is maybe distracting us or taking our time to seek the Lord. And sometimes it takes a, another person who is on fire for God, and they now somehow a firebrand, some of that fire wears off. And you know, if you put wood on coals or other fire, what's going to happen? Fire is going to get bigger. The proverb, a verse in Proverbs says, with a lack of wood, fire goes out. Oh, that's pretty simple. Well, the lack of desire, for the lack of pressing into the Lord, the fire kind of goes low. Even in Old Testament, in Old uh, Testament uh, history, as they uh, were instructed to build this temporary tabernacle, and granted, they had to carry all these boards and all this material around the desert for 40 years. But there was a part of that that they had to keep the fire going. And a part of it was God was leading them with a pillar of fire, cloud by, cloud by day and pillar of fire. There's this, all this, this 
connection with fire. You'll read in Hebrews that uh, our God is a consuming fire. Well, that's kind of scary. Well, it is if you don't know God. But if you know God and you desire to be clean and just in that place where you know that you know that he is in you, he burns up some of the things that need to go in our lives. Some of the attitude, maybe, or some of the things that, that uh, he, he can fix a lot of things. He can clean up as we come before him. And, whoa, you get the clear conscience. You get a conscience that you, uh, you don't, you're not just knowing about God, but you know him. You come to, to learn, to sense his voice, his presence that is near and so Paul is thinking about this family where Timothy came from. He's thinking about the influence that his, his uh, grandmother and mother had. On, I'm sure it is in you as well. Now, listen, everyone, everyone has to draw their own oil, so to speak. Everyone has to make their own decision to serve the Lord. It does it automatically. It's not, you're not just transferred by birth. Everyone has a problem born. You know that everyone needs to take uh, a willingness. So to be on fire for God, you start with a, a desire to want want him. And as James says, if you draw near to him, he draws, draws near to you. Can you recall uh, Moses uh, receiving the Ten Commandments? Remember the first time he went up for 40 days, 40 nights there with the God on the mount, came down, finding his People in sin, building, making a calf, worshiping, comes angry, throws the tablets down. Now he's got to go back and do it all over again. As much as Moses had been in the presence of God, what began to happen? I want more, Lord. Show me your glory. And God makes, you know, here's his prayer. But he says, Moses, you can't see the front of me. No man can see God and live in this life. And so God protects him. And he, you're going to go, I'm going to pass by. You're going to be in the cleft of the rock. There's God's grace again. And God passes by just showing his backside. Moses cries, show me thy glory. People, if we're going to see more of God, uh, fire of God, or, or revival, it starts with an individual desire. That, oh, that I might know him. Oh, that I might seek the things that God cares about. Oh, that I might be mindful, not only of myself. Oh, though I'm in this prison, though I'm in these chains, I believe that you're going to turn things around for good, that God is going to be victorious. And then we get to this verse, verse 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh. And this is where I got the idea. I'll bring wood in the church and I'll set it on a tray and I'll light it up and everybody will gasp and then we'll all go out choking and smoke. That's why I just ditched that idea. But it, you get the idea? 
If you start fires a lot, you want to start with small pieces and lay them, just arrange the wood. There's a lot of things we could connect with. Remember when Elijah was on the mount and he had these so-called the enemy, the people, they had their gods that they worship. Elijah makes a deal with them. Whoever answers by fire, you're going to build this altar, and whoever answers by fire, that will be the true God, and you know the story. And so when it got to be Elijah's turn, he says, douse this whole pile with fire. Build a trench around, soak it with you know as well as I know, wet wood is not easy to get started. In other words, you got to build a fire with dry wood to get the wet wood to dry out so it will burn. But God, nothing is impossible. You know, you remember the story. Elijah just says, Lord, and said a short prayer, boom, fire came down and licked up all the wood and the rocks, the rocks were even destroyed. Nothing is too difficult for our Lord. Kindle afresh. So how do you kindle afresh in your life? How do you kindle a fire? Let me just say this, but for me personally, I like to get away and praise the Lord with my guitar. That works if you don't play guitar, Put on some music somehow, worship music, and make make yourself get yourself in His presence. I believe that's one of the best ways. Then you then then you start to just wait and listen. Then then do this. Start to verbally praise the Lord. Verbally express it. You can do this out loud because no one around you is going to hear you. You can do it in your car when you're driving. <laughs> You can do it when you're in the shower, maybe. Maybe that works for you. You can do it somewhere. Call upon the Lord. Because what happens, your spirit begins to rise. Your spirit of the Lord begins to connect with your spirit. As Romans says this, we cry, Abba, Father. His spirit bearing witness with your spirit. That there actually, the Lord himself dwells in the praises of his people. And then we get to verse 7, this beautiful verse, this wonderful verse that helped me so many times. God has not given us the spirit of timidity. I didn't say humidity. Timidity. Timidness. Shyness. Of course, in myself, naturally, I'm a shy person by nature. But God says, you, you can do it because I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to work to you. I'm going to help you. I'm gonna, you're going to have the faith even beyond what you could even imagine. He is able to do exceeding abundantly. And so the shift is on the Lord. To be on fire for God means that you know that you know that God is doing it. 
not yourself. And we're not relying on man's ingenuity or man power, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost in the very beginning of the church as they were waiting upon the Lord in the upper room. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. All of a sudden, they begin to speak in another language they had and never spoken. They were witnessing to other people around the community. They went out proclaiming the things of God, unconcerned what would happen with their life. In fact, if they were uh, actually disciplined or imprisoned, they said, we find it a privilege. We count it as a privilege to be persecuted. For the name of Jesus, that's a church on fire. That's a person of God who has said, I'm all in. And so secondly, it chimes in with conscience. I spoke a little bit already about the calling, the holy calling. This comes from verse 9. That who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. A holy calling is not something we thought about. Not something that we just came up on, come up with it on our own. But there was a holy calling. Let me uh, give illustration to an, an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. Remember his story on chapter 6 of Isaiah? He saw the Lord. He had a vision of the Lord. He was probably praying. He was probably waiting upon the Lord. And all of a sudden, he saw the throne of God. He saw angels that were circling around. And there were those angels that would cover their face and cover their feet. They were humble. They were seeking the face of God. Day and night they were praising the Lord. And Isaiah was seeing this in his vision. Then the Lord says, who will, who will go? Who will speak to these people? And Isaiah said, I would, but I am unclean. I'm unworthy. He felt unworthy in the presence of God. But God fixed that. God took a coal off the altar and touched Isaiah and made him a firebrand. You see, if we dare to trust God, if we dare to seek God, if we put our faith in the Lord, he will enable us. He will give to us that which when we have need of it. It's a holy calling. It said, I will go. He changed the heart of a man that was afraid and weak and trembling to a man who became bold and outspoken for the things of God. You see, our friends, there are people that are wishing for someone that would stand up and speak the truth of God. There are people in our world that are wondering, what is this church all about anyway? What is the things of God anyway? What do the things look like? Where where are the people? Where are the people that 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 are seeking the Lord? Where are the people? Where are the intercessors and all starts with you draw a circle around yourself and say, here I am. Start with me, O Lord. You see, God's plans are easy. Are not always easy, but they're straightforward or simple. He comes to seek and save them which are lost. God's heart is still still yearning for those who are not yet come to the kingdom, not yet to come into a right relationship, and that's why he's looking for people who will go, who will answer the calling. 
Friends, not everyone is called to go up to a faraway place. There are some are, some are, and are obeying. Thank God for them. But many people, God is calling to go, go to your neighbor down next door, or the person in the grocery store, the person whom you work alongside. That's your calling. That's his, that's his place for you. Maybe you feel like you've never done too much for the Lord, and you feel, well, it's so hard. You pray up, you praise up, you begin to ask the Lord this, uh, Lord, if there's someone that you will use me with today, help me to help me step out. God will, God will use that prayer. I believe his heart is for the lost. It's always seeking those people that are distant from him. You remember when Joseph was sold off, his brothers were angry, they were jealous, and Joseph was a young man just just to, uh, you know, trying to do his best. Joseph had a dream that someday his, you know, he saw these ears of corn and, and he saw these fat cows and lean, lean cows and, and the, you know, the one cow ate up the other cow and it, it was symbolizing the famine that was coming and he had this dream and his brothers hated him. And all along, finally one day they said, hey, let's kill this dude and get rid of him. Basically, hadn't been for his brother. I think it was Reuben that said, well, don't kill him. Let's just sell him. That way we you know, don't have the blood on our hands. Oh, my goodness. If you were Joseph, how would you have felt? Sign of a dry preacher. Cup of water. Joseph maybe had his moments. But something happened. God began to, to give favor. In spite of his imprisonment, in spite of his accusation, by a woman that accused him of things he was doing that he wasn't. God gave him favor. God lifted him up to a place of position. And the day came when the famines was in the land and his brothers began to come down to buy food. And you remember the story. Joseph began to recognize them, but they didn't recognize him. And he began to try to work things out that they would maybe remember what they did, <coughs> so forth, so on. Long story longer. In the end of Joseph's time, he began the salvation of his family. He became the help that they needed. And all through this time, Joseph didn't build up anger. He didn't seek revenge. But he turned them over to the hands of the Lord. Listen, people that hurt us, if you've been hurt or you're being hurt, my encouragement to you, don't fight it in your own strength. Turn them over to the Lord. 
Ask God to give you the wisdom to stay sweet, to stay pure, to keep your conscience what it ought to be. Because God has called us to a higher calling than to go the way of the flesh. Don't take things into our own hands and not matters. And so as Paul is in prison, thinking about Timothy, thinking about a young man that will need encouragement because he will be attacked in the church. He will be under the, sometimes under the fire of the enemy. Sometimes he will be uh, accused of things he did not do. And he will need, he will need armor bearers, armor bearers around him to help hold up his hands. As we remember the story in the Old Testament, it Moses, he held up his hands, and he, as long as his hands were up, he were winning the battle. Some of us need a little encouragement, don't we? Some of us, maybe our fire is still going, but it's, it's kind of dwindled. We need somebody else to come along and begin to, to burn a little of that fire that they have on. Spread it around. Spread it unto others. And so we come through these verses. We come and we think about what Paul's situation could have. He could have been so down on the Lord. He could have said, well, look what I've done for you, God, and you treat me like this. Right? We can get into those traps that the enemy tries to set forth. But he's thinking, he's thinking past. He's thinking past his situation. If you look at the verse 10, but now, or verse 9, latter part first, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death, brought life. So Paul is already convinced in his mind that this is, this is my last point, convinced. First was uh, his, our conscience, his holy calling, being convinced. He's convinced, see, after death comes, he will win. Paul is convinced that though they kill this body, I'm going to live with them for all eternity. And though they slay me, Job said, though he slay me, Job says, I will trust him. You talk about being on fire for God. I'm not talking about just having emotion. That's okay. I like to get a feel some emotion. But there are people that are on fire for God that they will die for the name of Christ. They're ready to give it all. And some of us have wondered, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? After I came to Christ, you maybe think, more things have went wrong since... What is that all about? Sometimes we mislead people. Because when you come to Christ, you separated yourself from the enemy, and he doesn't like it. I know a friend that called me. I called him, and we chatted, and he said, pray for me. I lost my job, and, and we're separated. My wife and I are separated. And oh, boy. 
You could hear it in his voice. And he said this to me, I don't know if I'm strong enough. And I went, you aren't strong enough. But Jesus is. And so when we admit our weakness, we win. That's the key. And Paul says, I prayed that the Lord would take this thorn out of three times. And he prayed. Paul prays. And God says, no. I'm going to show you my grace. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to keep you where you need to be so that you do not rely on yourself, that you will depend on me. God is far beyond us. I thought about a title that a fresh fire is bigger than us. I went with fresh fire. Fresh fire. Everyone, every once in a while, I need to stir up the gift. And Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift. You guys who build fires and burn wood, you know exactly what that is all about. Rake that stuff off. Get those coals to get air. Pick up the speed. Friends, we're, we're embarking on it. We're already in 2022. Unbelievable. Remember when we had two K, two, Y2K scare in 2000? Remember that? In those days, and we thought, wow. We never thought we'd, the Lord would wait this long, right? And we, we, keep, we keep that fresh. That ought to be fresh. That ought to be something we keep focused. But friends... I want to end with this. We're convinced. Paul was so convinced. It was not about him. It was not because he was going to leave. He knew his t- Nero was ready to kill him. Nero was mining up the day. Nero was ready. He was on his way to being beheaded. And he writes this letter to Timothy. This is like my last chance to instill something. And guess what? God knew beyond even Timothy, that we would need this word for you and I today. And you and I would need something to encourage us when we're going to, to some stuff. And so we, we look at this. He says, I'm convinced. Verse 12. He is able. He is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Wasn't it Paul that wrote to to the Philippians, he who, verse chapter 1, he who began a good work in you will perfect it. God doesn't quit. He hears your prayers. He doesn't, well, he doesn't forget about it. He, hear, he needs people praying, and that gives, that just excels, that bring, that's incense. We sang that song. Day and night, that incense, Revelation speaks about the incense of the saints of God. That's the prayers of people going on. My part is to trust God. His part is to work all things together. It takes the load off, doesn't it? Even when it doesn't make sense, will I trust him? That verse I quoted from Job, though he slay me, I will hope in him. We, we often 
never finished the whole verse. At least I don't. It says, nevertheless, I will argue my way before him. Look at that for a moment, because Job was, he had a human side. Right? If you read the whole book of Job, Job, Job got angry at his friends who were accusing him. Job actually got angry at God. God knew that would happen. But God also knew that Job would come back around. You may know some people right now that are angry at God, feeling they've been mistreated by God. In fact, you and I sometimes may even feel, God, what in the world are you doing? And we just, we may go through a spell where it's hard to pray. It's hard to praise him. But I encourage you, if you will, and I believe, we'll put aside ourselves and say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about what you are and who you are. And I want to be in right relationship. It's never too late to start again. No matter how old we get, how much stuff happens, it's never too late to have a clear conscience. I say, Jesus, you know exactly what's going on. I confess my need for you. And then he calls us. We're called to him first. We're called to know him. Then he, he sorts it out through the ministries that we have. And we convince, we are convinced. I know he's saying, Lord, I need you, and I know I'm changing up the set. But this seems more fitting to send, sing this song. So, Austin, I'll give you a minute. Thank you, Austin, for being flexible. Now, this is a, a lot of time we sing this as a benediction song, but it really does kind of fit the message where we are constantly in need. We'll come back to this other mic. Constantly in need. Of turning things over to the Lord. And sometimes we have to turn it over 50 times a day. If whatever it takes. You just keep it's a struggle. But I think there's healing that comes when we confess. I know that the scriptures teaches. We confess right now, Lord, search our hearts, know our hearts. We lay our hearts at your feet. We confess our need. We confess our sin. We confess. We're not always what we need. We want to be. We're not always what you 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 want us to be, Lord. But we can only be what you want us to be in you, Lord. So we confess. So here we come, Lord, one more time. <laughs>